Welcome into the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick with you, and today is Friday, September 3rd. We have the best of the week around Jaguars Broadcasting and Jaguars.com, including reaction to the final preseason game from Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, Tony Baselli and Pete Prisco on the end of the quarterback competition, and a Jaguars cornerback mic'd up. Remember to subscribe to the Jaguars official podcast network available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Give us a comment and a five-star rating. Season tickets, single game tickets, and group tickets. Be a part of the new era of Jaguars football and own it. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. Let's start with preseason week three, the win over the Cowboys. There was some early offensive success with two touchdowns and three drives with the starters, well, at least some of the starters, head coach Urban Meyer in the post-game press conference. Most impressive group was the O-line. Five of our top six didn't play, and there was a point yesterday, um, even late yesterday, should we play Trevor or not? And that was, you know, my gosh, you take the first overall pick and and then Will Richardson, who has been really arguably one of our most improved players, uh, we moved him to right guard, and basically all he did is have walkthrough. We took two guys that were really recently cut, Badera and Jermaine. And I mean, I'm, first time I'm shaking her hand is a pregame meal. Yeah, that's, that's a new one. But they're uh, good guys. They played. Walker Little played really well. Shatley's a stud. You know, he hangs in there. Uh, Juwan Taylor. But everyone else was out. And... Uh, but uh, that was the most impressive thing that uh, I saw offensive line protect our guys and, and that we had to let the QB play. How important was it to get the rhythm you were looking for? Uh, obviously, the obvious is true, but you know, the reality is, you know, I don't want to take away from uh, W and they played well, but Dallas, you know, didn't play a lot of their guys and they played very vanilla on defense, as we did. Uh, but confidence, that's the most unique position in all of sport. And getting a little bit of a rhythm, you know, we made that trade and, and we're going with them. And uh, he did not disappoint. It looked like you maneuvered uh, more in the shotgun, more bubble screens, more rollouts for Trevor. Was that all designed to get him comfortable? Yeah, it's just something, you know, that obviously that's what he did in college. Um, And we're going to be, you know, I I, I like the rhythm. You know, I like the fact on third down and four we took a shot. You know, I like to be more aggressive than we've been in the first few weeks. And I thought Bev did a great job. Uh, But we're going to do what that player does well. Trevor Lawrence finished 11 of 12 passing for 139 yards through the air and two touchdowns, and he said post-game the rhythm was great to see. It felt great out there, obviously. I think we just executed a lot better than we have the past two games, so uh, it was just great to see. It's a good feeling. A lot better feeling coming to the locker room uh, today as opposed to you know this time last week. So just one step in the right direction. Got to keep getting better. Um, now, now they're going to count for real. So just putting everything we have into getting ready for Houston. But it was a great, you know, builds a lot of confidence going into, you know, the season. It's nice to, to finish the preseason with a game like that. We talked a lot about getting you into a tempo, not just you, the offense in general. Yeah. And you just mentioned that he did a lot of things with you today that you did in college. How much of an impact did it make to be in the shotgun, the bubble screens, and the rollouts? I felt good. Uh, I thought we had a good game plan. I mean, honestly, um, it's all about execution, though, like I said. I think we had a good game plan last week, too. We just didn't execute it. So it's easy as a, someone from the outside to see a game and, you know, we don't play that great or we don't execute it. It's, it's going to make it look like maybe we're not running the right scheme or whatever, but it's all about execution. It doesn't matter what you run. If everybody's on the same page and everybody knows it, you're going to play well. So we felt that today. We were all on the same page. We communicated well. We kept it simple. And then 
for me, just being accurate, making quick decisions, getting the ball out of my hand, and letting our guys make plays, and that was that was the difference. Run game was great too, so it was awesome. Urban said there was serious question about whether they play you today because of how many offensive linemen were out. How much did they communicate to you about that? About what the circumstances were going to be? Yeah, we talked about it. Uh, at the end of the day, we felt good with the five that we were running out there. You know, it's obviously it wasn't our starting five, but <clears throat> those guys have been busting their tail and they were ready and. Um, in practice, they were ready, had a good week, and you know I felt felt good with it. And we had a good plan to where, you know, we did take some shots, but also getting the ball out of my hand, staying on the move, uh, that helped a lot. Run game was great. Like I said, I thought we just came out and executed well, and that, that always feels good. All the press conferences from post game available on Jaguars.com. On to Happy Hour Radio Monday. Tony Baselli, Pete Prisco, well, they hijacked a couple segments as usual and started discussing the quarterback competition before the trade of Minshew to the Eagles. I'm not trying to criticize Urban. I mean, he knows more about managing and leading a football team. Me too. It's I'm just saying, he does. Yeah, my whole point is that every guy on the team knew. I've been in these situations. You know who the starter is. Like Most of the time, you go into practice. And Pete, how often did I tell you walking off the field early in OTAs or camp saying, he can play, he can't play. He can All play, the time. he can't play. All the time. Like, All you know, time. players know. And, and here's the other thing. Urban Meyer knows 50,000 billion more things than I do about football. And he always will and he always has. He's a professional coach. He's a great coach. He's been a great coach. But that doesn't mean everything he does is right. That's why I, I always get this pushback. Well, you're not a coach. You're not a coach. Look. I know what I think is right, and I can say that, and I can and, and I can say the quarterback competition was not right. And if you wanted to explain it to me, I might understand it, but I don't see any rational reason to do that. Agreed. There you have it. Um, Jake, I think we figured it out. About this segment, I can't remember because we kind of we kind of jumped on the comments. We hijacked. Shocking! Wow, the entire hour has been hijacked, and that's okay. It's good to have you guys both back. Mondays never cease to amaze. Happy hour Monday, four to six p.m. on Ten Ten XL AM and Jaguar social media. A replay from eight to ten p.m. on Ten Ten XL AM and ninety two point five FM. Our flagship stations in Jacksonville. For the game against the Dallas Cowboys, second-year cornerback Chris Claybrooks was mic'd up. Take a listen. You know what's funny is? This is my last college game right here. Really? Yeah, in the Cotton Bowl. Who y'all play? Uh, Penn State, 2019 Cotton Bowl, Memphis. Right here, my last game, college game. Let's go now. Yeah. Let's get it, baby. Yeah. Let's, go, man. Let's get it, baby. Let's go, man. What you feeling like? I'm feeling good, man. Looking you know? good. Playing good. Let's get it. Looking good. Playing good. Making plays on the ball. It's tough. For real, man. Hey, you the fans today, ain't it? Yeah, I'm fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, talk to me. Don't say nothing out of here, but talk to me. Talk to me. Y'all now tune in to the Claybrook TV show. Yeah. Tune in, man. Grab your popcorn. It's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a good one. Yes, sir. Let's go. Let's go. Let's have a great one, man. Let's go. Let's have a great one. Have a great one. Go get that. Now. Go get that. Yes, sir. The Claybrook's mic'd up segment available on Jaguars.com. When we return, a waiver claim and reaction from NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks, plus a new segment on Jaguars Drive Time, and offensive line coach George Warhop on the relationship between the line and the quarterback. All that after this. Jags fans, TIAA Bank is here to help you keep your money working hard, week in and week out. Open a yield pledge checking or money market account today and start scoring some of the most competitive rates in the country. To see how we can fit into your financial game plan, 
visit a financial center near you or find us online at TIAABank.com slash JAGS. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. The Daily's Place schedule is heating up as September moves along. Chris Tomlin, Carrie Job, and Bethel Music Tour tonight. Rod Wave, September 9th. Sam Hunt, September 10th. Tickets available at dailiesplace.com. And as always, thanks for checking out the official Jaguars podcast network on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Give us that five-star rating. And for those looking for the Saints-Packers game tickets, go to jaguars.com ticketmaster.com or call the jaguars ticket office at 904-633-2000 the tiaa bank field will host that game in week one while the jaguars are away to face the houston texans the kickoff for the packers and the saints game is scheduled for 425 eastern Wednesday afternoon, offensive line coach George Warhop met the media on a Zoom call. He expects the full starting offensive line to be ready to play next Sunday in Houston. But he was also asked about the pressure of blocking for the number one overall pick quarterback and the relationship between Trevor Lawrence and the line. I think, you know, protection starts with us in the backs, right? We've got to do our part uh, to protect the quarterback. Um, he's got to do his part by getting the ball out of his hand. So it's more than just the O-line and how we go about it or the backs or the tight ends with protections. There's no question we got to do our job, and I could really care less who's back there. We don't want the guy touched. So whether it's a rookie or a 15-year vet, right, we we got to protect the quarterback. Uh, but then it also becomes offensively how you deal with it, right? Is the ball coming out or, you know, is he holding the ball? Is are we moving him? Are we doing whatever? So it's a collective deal to protect the quarterback. So, and I think uh, the plan that we have for him, I think it is going to be pretty effective. So with that, what, what is Trevor's relationship with, with your guys up front and how has that developed throughout, throughout camp and then specifically once he became, became the name starter and, and his interactions with them? Well, I mean, you've met Trevor, correct? I mean, yep. uh, he's an engaging kid. Um, he's an upbeat kid. Uh, he's that way. All our guys love him. He talks to them all. He engages them all. So uh, I've been most impressed with how he's come in and, and really just related to everybody. So there's zero issue with him in terms of starting a relationship or even, you know, taking time to meet with Shatley or meet with Linder okay, as a center. Hey, how are you looking at this? How are you going to go about that? And those guys being on the same page. So um, he's a great, he's a really good young pro. He's got a tremendous personality. and He's already engaged in these guys at a fairly high level. All the press availabilities this week available on Jaguars.com. Let's move along to Wednesday afternoon, where Bucky Brooks, John Osher, and I reacted to the roster cuts, the waiver claim, and much more on Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. That's concern number one for me. You know, we got Dorsett as dinged right now. We brought in Devin Smith, and he goes out there and makes a, you know, makes a catch that I told him I haven't seen our guys make. So, uh, but he's also had two ACLs. He's an older player, uh, but he gives you the top end of the. He can knock the top off the coverage. Uh, that's my that's my biggest concern, and also three running backs with the ETM being out. So we're that's 24/7 conversation as we continue. Head coach Urban Meyer after the game Sunday in Dallas, and welcome back. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, JP Shadrick, John Ozer alongside as well. And this hour of Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Cadillac of Jacksonville and Fields Cadillac St. Augustine, members of the Fields Auto Group. Well, that said, the Jaguars have the number one priority in the claim order and waivers, and they used that uh, last night and today, and they have picked up wide receiver 
Tyron Johnson off waivers from the Los Angeles Chargers, originally undrafted in 2019 out of Oklahoma State by the Texans, a few different practice squads in 2019. And last season, week four was elevated, back down the week after that, and then finished the season from week six forward on the regular roster in Los Angeles. A waiver claim, and you see his stats there on the screen in front of you, nearly 400 yards, three touchdowns. But Bucky, it's all about speed with Tyron Johnson. They have to be faster on the perimeter. Right now, they have a lot of same speed guys, meaning possession receivers, guys that are chain movers, but they don't have any big play threats. And so when you're scouring the waiver wire, you're looking for something that's different than what you currently have. They want someone who can give them a vertical dimension in the passing game. Maybe Tyron Johnson can be a guy that can help them right away. Yeah, I thought Bucky hit, hit the nail on the head right there. Right now, you know, the numbers thing, that Urban Meyer talked about in the press conference yesterday. Yeah, it was five receivers, three running backs. Concerned about five receivers, concerned about three running backs. Mm -hmm. So I think people, and I probably fell into this too, automatically assumed, well, they've got those numbers, so they're going to go out and sign or claim waiver players to up those numbers. Well, Mm -hmm. now that they've gotten those guys through, to them – They've got, what, 17 wide receivers in the practice squad now, JP? What number was that? (laughs) But they've got four or five. And uh, to Bucky's point, a lot of those guys are sort of the same kind of guy. They also have Divine Azigbo and uh, Nathan Cottrell Mm -hmm. at at running back in the practice squad. Those guys will be protected. The numbers issue that Meyer was concerned about yesterday has been solved now that those guys are through to the practice squad. They've got their depth there, I think they believe, so there's not that urgency to go out and necessarily sign a player. I'm a little surprised that they they weren't more active on the waiver wire, uh, but they saw this uh, Tyron Johnson, who, as Bucky said, gives them something they didn't have. I guess in retrospect, I'm not surprised they didn't address defense because they kept so many guys yeah, they did. that they clearly liked those guys for a reason or else they wouldn't have kept them. So I don't want to say they're done, but... I don't think they're as worried maybe as they were yesterday when those guys were floating out there. Yeah, and the the ability to move guys up and down off that squad, Bucky, gives them some flexibility, gives everybody in the league the flexibility another year. Also, the expanded practice squad size, 16 guys being able to be on the practice squad eventually, being able to really stockpile the kind of talent that you want. Also, it's not a coincidence that a lot of the guys that are on the practice squad were in camp with the Jaguars because what you would like is to have a bullpen full of players that know the system. They've gone through preseason. They understand those things. So it's minimal teaching and learning that needs to be done if they're elevated. This is all part of a bigger plan when it comes to the team building process, making sure you have enough auxiliary parts to be able to step up at a moment's notice whenever you need it. A cut-down day, JP, is really – it's lost some of the luster. And, and it doesn't have luster for players. I'm talking – as fans and media who watch it and they're waiting for that cut down day to come and it means careers are going to end. Some careers do end, and I'm not being insensitive to that. But the reality is it's not a 53-man roster in the NFL right now. It's about a 60- or 61-man roster because of how many that you can protect. And it's really, as Urban alluded to yesterday, having those 16 spots made those cuts a lot lot less difficult because now you've got about, what, 66, 67 of the guys that you had before. So yesterday they said goodbye to about 15 guys, not 37 like it used to be on that day. 
Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks airs Wednesdays at 4.30 on Jaguars.com and the Jaguars social media channels, and it's available on the official Jaguars podcast network. Let's wrap this week with Thursday's Jaguars Drive Time. Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton debuted a new segment this week. I think, I think. And I'm going to go ahead and go first, because surprise, I picked Walker Little. Everyone's <laughs> favorite person to talk about. I think, I think, there is a reason George Warhop is pumping the brakes on Walker Little. So before what we just heard, offensive line coach George Warhop was saying, you know, there's some things that Walker Little can improve on in training camp and preseason. And I think there's a reason for that. I think we notably pump up Walker Little as much as we possibly can. We pave his way to Canton, but we have to remember that this guy is a rookie. And Coach Warhop was talking about how much he likes the starting five of the offensive line, which as of right now does not include Walker Little. There's a reason for that. I think everyone's hearing Walker Little's pushing camera out. Walker Little might be the starter week two. Up to Coach Warhop? I don't think so. You know, it's interesting. Um, as I was listening to George yesterday, I realized we're all around Baselli all the time, right? Sometimes yes. we, we get irritated by him. We forget how great of a left tackle he was because he stepped right in as a rookie. And he didn't step in on opening day. He went in on a, a Sunday night against Green Bay and, and shut down Reggie White and Sean Jones and did not give up a sack. Um, he, well, was, he was hurt opening day or he would have shut down that guy. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. He didn't get in because he right. was injured. But what I'm saying is, is that from the very moment that he stepped on the field, he wasn't just the best offensive lineman. He was one of the best two or three players on the field. And Walker Little is extremely talented and a guy with a huge upside. But the George Warhop says, hey, rookie left tackles, this guy included, all struggle. Mm-hmm. Maselli didn't struggle. That tells you how great Maselli was. Yeah. And that Walker Little's just not he's, quite he's, there it's yet. It's going to take time. Yep. So slow well, down. Pump the brakes, John. I still anticipate the Walker Little, by virtue of injury attrition, something will happen He'll be on he's the on the field this year. And I anticipate that by the time he gets on the field this year, he won't come off the field again. Yeah. It'll be a, a, a more natural transition, which is sort of the kind of tradition, I mean, transition that uh, coaches like in this situation. Uh, so I think this will all take care of itself. Rare is the guy who can step on the field day one and anchor that, that mm-hmm. pivotal position. But he's a guy who will be an anchor for a very long time once he gets out there. Yep. All right, John. All right. I think, I think, I think, I think, I, I think, I think um, that Josh Allen is the Jaguars' most important story right now outside of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is, you know, the big matzo ball hanging out there. But, matzo ball. Uh, Josh Allen is important because of this. I love Josh Allen. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I think he's going to be a pro bowler. I think he has a chance to be a game-changing, franchise-defining defensive player. And if you've got that on both sides of the ball, that's really rare. Most teams who have franchise quarterback don't have elite Von Miller defensive guy. But he hasn't really been that guy yet. No. And a lot of what I said is faith because I see the guy in practice every day. I hear our coaches talk about him. I see how he is. I see how he prepares. Everything's there, but the unknown is, can he be carry the defense guy? I think he can. He hasn't yet. If he does that, the team and the defense are, are uh, dramatically better. He hasn't done it yet. So to me, that's the key for this season. I don't want to discount what he did as a rookie, but he did it with Calais Campbell sure. on the other side and Yannick Ngakwe on the other side. 
Uh, he made great plays with 10 and a half sacks, which was the most by all rookies that year, and a Jaguars rookie record, obviously. Last year, when the focus was on him before mm-hmm. he got injured, he struggled, right, to be able to create. Well, mm-hmm. there's more talent there this year, so he should be able, he has to be, like Von Miller, the guy who can make it happen on his own. The team stopping the run better should, by definition, help exactly. him be what he is. Last year, I sort of thought a lot of the reason that he wasn't what we thought he was was because of that and then the injury. Um, if there is good against the run and other teams are in obvious passing situations, then Josh Allen must be an eight or nine sack guy. I would agree. And I think he's capable of being that and more. He's that talented. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that I really like Shaq Quarterman in Joe Cullen's defense, right? At least this segment makes you giggle. Um, <laughs> yes. Because I like the way on first and second down, right? I want to tell you who I think he is rather than say, well, he's not Fred Warner. He, you know, he's not Luke Keekley or Devin White. I'll tell you exactly who he is. Shaq Warner. Well, that's true. And, Good and, point. And a local boy at that. But he reminds me of two guys that played in that 3-4. And the hallmark 3-4 to me was the Steelers. Um, he's not as big as LeVon Kirkland, uh, but he runs to the hole like LeVon Kirkland. And when he gets there, he hits like Earl Holmes, the former Florida A&M linebacker. He's a guy, especially in run situations. And again, I'm figuring by injury and attrition, he's going to be on the field in the scheme at some point. A 3-4 scheme is a linebacker-intensive scheme they play. And I think Shaq Quarterman fits this one to a T. And listening to him yesterday, his mindset, his mentality, his approach to the game, it's it's a prototypical 3-4 linebacker. He's not going to be a 10-sack guy like a Fred Warner. You know, He's not going to be an interception, pick-six guy. Um, but, man, is he going to be a factor at some point in helping this team stop the run, I, I think. Jaguars Drive Time airs Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock on Jaguars.com and Jags' social media channels. Of course, subscribe to the Jaguars' official podcast network on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods, and leave us a comment and a five-star rating. That'll do it for this week. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend, and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time on the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast, presented by TIAA Bank.